Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Free Exchange of Ideas uh, with your hosts, John, Dave, and Donovan. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, our first thing is an interview with uh, a guy I work with. Um, his name is Alex Ozark. I know, it sounds like it's fake, but it's not. He's a nice guy. No. And <laughs> he's a pretty nice guy. Uh, and uh, so we're kind of kind of just drop it over in his lap and say, if you could please just give us a little bit of um, where you're working, how you got there, and, and what you do. All right, yeah, thanks, John. Yeah, the name is real enough that it made it to Netflix, so I really have that going for me. <laughs> Congratulations, uh, you get some money from yeah. that. <laughs> Sweet. I, I keep talking to Jason Abatement about that, but nothing yet. <laughs> don't give, don't, don't the, give up, man. <laughs> got to get him on speed dial. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get him uh, down to the track, man. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the intro, John. Um, yeah, so my, my background is in the automotive space, really fully. Um, coming from Detroit, obviously, Motown, Motor City, um, it, it enveloped in vehicles. You can't throw a stone without hitting someone who's in automotive in Detroit. Uh, so you just grow up uh, enveloped in it there. Um, so I went to school uh, for mechanical engineering, really thinking uh, I have to be in automotive. There was no other path. I like cars myself. It just makes sense. So um, worked my way to California. Uh, for all sorts of crazy reasons, one being the recession in 08, but um, started at a proving grounds um, in Southern California for Hyundai. Um, had a really fun time doing that and just driving cars around, you know, more or less destroying them. Um, and this is back before tech really got a hold of the automotive space. This is, you know, classic automotive. Uh, pre-2010 um, and then Tesla really came on the scene in 2012 when they launched the Model S. Uh, I was able to drive it back then uh, when I was at Hyundai uh, with Motor Trend and that really opened my eyes to this whole new tech space that was that could be automotive. Um, now of course looking back it's kind of funny because tech and automotive are essentially synonymous. But back then, they were totally two separate worlds. Um, so decided to make that leap from traditional auto to Tesla and learned a ton. And in that time, from 2013 to 15, tech, automotive tech really exploded um, and went down to LA to do a couple other startups. Uh, I was part of an eight-person company at one point. Um, which is a wild experience, and moving to <clears throat> to try and get back up into the Silicon Valley world um, with Lyft and trying to jump to a slightly different sector, which is autonomous vehicles, where I am now. Um, and that transition has been interesting. It's definitely outside of automotive for the most part, um, but it, it has its own uniqueness to it. Um, and it's it's pretty pretty exciting, pretty interesting stuff we're trying to accomplish here. Cool. Uh, I I truly do enjoy watching, uh, especially the newbies when you when you bring them out for training. When I should say when Bob brings them out for training, and uh, they just they just run those cars right into the ground. It's very impressive what 
those vehicles are able to do with nobody physically steering the vehicle. It's fairly, it's a, it's a truly impressive um, track that you guys have in, in that area uh, up in Northern California. Why, you said when you drove the Tesla, it was just changed your, changed your perspective altogether? Exactly. Um, the, the main reason that is, is the acceleration profile. That electric motor um, torque is instant from you know, zero RPM, a standstill basically. If you think about a normal car, the torque doesn't build until at least 2000 RPM. So you have to be moving before you really start to feel something. Um, and this is a whole shift in how a vehicle feels when you drive it. I, I actually just drove one of the Pacificas that we use today. And <laughs> I noted to one of my colleagues that there was no relationship between what my feet were doing and what the car was doing. There's a relationship between your hands, right? You're obviously steering a car, and if you input something to the left, the car steers to the left. However, with your feet, if you step on the gas pedal, it may go, it may not go, it may go slowly, it may go fast, depending on wherever the transmission feels like it should be. Um, but when you let off the accelerator, what happens? Nothing, it just keeps on going. That is a very weird thing to wrap your brain around, right? This, this feeling of detachment to the vehicle. Electric vehicles give you a, a real attachment. Your, your foot controls exactly what's happening in the car. Um, and, and as soon as I felt that attachment, it became a whole new um, like person, man, machine uh, uh, engagement. Way better. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Having having driven a Tesla S, it, the word I use to describe it is intuitive. It's just the the way you, you drive the car, using the pedals, take your foot off, take your push, put, put more pressure on it, and it just just does whatever you want it to do. It's, it's an amazing, amazing car. Yeah, as soon as you think it, basically it happens, which is awesome. Yeah, that is probably the neatest thing about electric vehicle. Well, all the all electric vehicles is it. It's just that instant on acceleration you get all of the horsepower right out of the box it foot to the floor or just a little touch you it's all there all at once and that's uh yeah that's uh, quite semantics John. it's all the torque not all the horsepower oh did i say horsepower i meant torque <laughs> yeah that's all right <laughs> unlike unlike a hybrid which are slow <laughs> exactly because there's even more components I own two Priuses, and yeah, a great car, but definitely not a car you want. You, you step on the pedal, the gas on that thing, and you're like, I, I can outrun those things on my bike. So. <laughs> That's not really fair, though. You're quite so. the bicyclist. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, all right, so um, from Tesla, you did you go directly from Tesla to um, Lyft? I went from Tesla to a couple uh, EV startups in Los Angeles, uh, one being Faraday Future, another being Change Energy. Um, both had very uh, interesting, <laughs> let's call them Chinese ties and backing. Uh. Um, and yeah, I guess most importantly, the, the thing about Los Angeles tech space is that it's not a well-known or well-funded or well cared for space. Um, there aren't 
you know, a ton of VCs that are down there to give anyone money. It's not a hardware rich environment. Um, you you just don't have much down there in the way of tech. So um, it, it it didn't go well uh, for those companies, and, and companies down there aren't doing amazing, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the living environment's fantastic. I don't know if you guys have ever lived at the beach, but uh, it's pretty sweet. Well, interesting, Alex, that you say that about tech, because you think tech would be like pretty hand-in-hand with the entertainment industry, particularly with movies and stuff like that. Uh, but I guess a lot of that, like Pixar is located in, up in Marin, right? So I don't know how that all works out. Exactly. I, and I know people in that industry now from L.A., just kind of in the artistry space, period. And it's not really a tech-heavy industry. It's, it's pretty hmm. old school, not from a... Yes, they're using fancy computer programs, but the processes the way it's laid out is pretty pretty classic pretty old school okay how long have you been with um lyft now i hit uh, a year a month ago oh well surprisingly congratulations that's a good uh, good anniversary congrats yeah thanks well it was a weird year i started uh in COVID in lockdown. I moved from Los Angeles to the Bay Area at a time where Los Angeles wasn't locked down, but the Bay Area was. And I thought, am I making the right move? And then, yeah, I I didn't meet people I worked with until several weeks into the uh, onboarding. Oh, wow. (laughs) Very weird experience to start. I was going to say, that had to be a little... I would think... Uh, I mean, I know for myself, I got very, very lucky in that the job that I have is considered a first responder, so I didn't lose any time. But I can imagine sitting in a, in literally a new city, a new apartment space, and going, I don't even know if we're going to have a company at the end of this anymore. It, the, that period of time from January 2020 to now is... I don't even know how to describe it. I just feel so lucky that I had a job where I was able to continue working. Um, I know a bunch of people that didn't. So I'm, and I'm glad that we were able to, or that you were able to, get this job, maintain this job. And I mean, really, what you do is, uh, is it is it more a, a management of people and and resources? Oh, I should probably talk about what I actually do, huh? Sure, because you're not out there driving. Like you said, you took the Pacifica out and was really surprised. But Yeah. No, uh, so at my current position, I manage a couple teams. Um, One team is focused on setting and creating the test specifications and running tests uh, for validating new software. Uh, on the autonomous vehicle. So we specifically work at a, uh, call it a test track um, that we have to ourselves. It's got a couple uh, stoplights, stop signs, different driving type scenarios. And uh, my guys will go out there with a new software validated in a bunch of different scenarios, make sure it's safe enough to go out on the road. Um, and kind of do that day in, day out with different versions of software, uh, different types of tests, depending on what they're trying to um, really hone in on as far as the, the 
issue or validation type. Um, so that's really fun to watch. Again, coming from automotive, I want to stick close to the vehicle itself. I'm a pretty hands-on guy. So being able to uh, see the vehicles in action compared to really a software engineering role where you're kind of creating code, but especially in this time frame, the COVID time frame, you're not allowed to really be in the car, see what it's doing. So uh, I know it's difficult for the engineers that are involved, but for me, I'm, I'm thankful I can actually see the vehicle run. Um, and then the other team that I manage is a team that um, is responsible for maintaining and keeping the AVs uh, up and ready to go. Uh, we operate in San Francisco and Palo Alto, um, and so they work between both locations, making sure everything is um, good. Uh, basically, there are only a few companies, very few actually, that are creating a ground-up uh, AV vehicle that is on the road testing now. So I mean a vehicle that is built specifically with uh, sensors, with wiring harnesses, with all these um, power requirements that are needed to power all these devices. Um, most of the companies currently are using uh, off-the-shelf vehicles from different manufacturers, whether that's Ford or Chrysler, uh, Toyota, um, and then adding sensors onto that. So when you have this vehicle that was sort of never meant <laughs> to house these sensors um, and you're adding stuff to it, you're going to have a lot of integration problems. So just keeping those things uh, alive and running is a whole team in itself, which is uh, pretty difficult, let's say. <laughs> okay. Um, so I do want to ask you about that, actually, uh, uh, about driving the vehicles on the street. Uh, so are they just driving them like basically from Palo Alto up to San Francisco or in a in a, or just in a like neighborhood kind of setting are they on the freeway because uh, I honestly don't have any yes yeah, so <laughs> we, we've got a couple different routes uh, we've got some city-based ones we've got some neighborhood based runs uh, uh, we don't run on the freeway in autonomy at the moment uh, but obviously we have to transit between the two locations using the freeway right. um, but yeah we try and get a, a good variety of things that that challenge the AV uh, you really want to have a lot of data of interesting scenarios because when you have machine learning algorithms it's important to have those edge cases, those weird cases, those everyday cases, all feeding into uh, the stack, basically, so it can start uh, learning and making um, decisions. Okay. Um, so I remember, like, decades ago, actually, where they uh, MIT had first built a V, I want to say it was MIT, I'm not positive, but it was a university, had first built a, what they called an autonomous vehicle, and it was more like uh, I don't know if anybody else used to build these. When I, when I was a kid, I used to build ship models that had motors on them. But they weren't remote control. They had a little cog you would set down into, into gears, and it would make the boat do a, you know, a circle or a figure eight or a left turn and then a right turn, that kind of thing. That's not what you guys are doing at all, is it? it, it as far as like there being a pre-programmed way that the car drives around, no. Um, it kind of makes decisions 
out on its own. You, you can do something where you record a lap early days, especially when there were quote-unquote autonomous, you can't see this, but I'm making air quotes, uh, <laughs> autonomous race cars. What they would do is they would, a, a real driver would drive along the line that they wanted the car to take, and then GPS would record that data, and then basically the car would replay that. Right, and and that is like a very very low level of autonomy. The car is technically driving itself, but it's a very pre-programmed, prescribed route. Um, this is not like that. Uh, the the one thing that does universally need to be true at the moment is you need a a known map with specific known lanes. Uh, for the car to make sure it knows where it's at, and then from there it starts making predictions and uh, drives around as it as it needs to. Okay, I remember we had um, another group that want, that had borrowed space. They were they had a tractor, uh, I mean tractor, uh, a big rig, and a couple of cars, I think. And they had they had set up bots dots, and they used those as their. Um, the reflectors they used the, for the car to learn where it was in the track. Um, now they were using like a lidar, I think, system. Is that is that right? Yeah, and pretty much everyone is using a lidar system except for Tesla on their production vehicles. But yeah, all, all the test AV vehicles are going to have some lidar system. Uh, lidar being uh, a laser distance and ranging device very similar to radar using radio waves but this is light yeah so it's like a range finder at the golf course yep so i'm a little uh how how far along do you think we are to having a truly autonomous vehicle <laughs> this is a million dollar question right and uh, yeah. you know if you if you follow this space you'll have seen this progression of um, you know, executives making these claims of, oh, we will have fully autonomous robo-taxi fleets by 2021 or 2022. Um, you name it, every date has been thrown out and every date has been and will be missed because <laughs> it's, it's an extremely uh, difficult problem to predict when you'll have a solution for. And that's basically what they're trying to do. Um, so I am, I'm a bit uh, bearish on the whole AV um, industry. I think it's going to take a lot longer to roll out to the level that I think we all glorify in our heads, right? Like sure. this <laughs> utopian world where cars are just zipping along driving themselves. I think that's a very long ways away, especially when you talk about regulations, right? When, when at, at this moment, if you have a car that's just driving itself, there's really no regulations at the DOT level that are governing this thing. Mm -hmm. um, there are some at the state level, but still it's, it's a bit uh, vague. Um, and I think, to get true acceptance, we're going to need the regulatory bodies to weigh in, and as we all know, that will probably take a long time. Yeah, when you when you um, get to um, a group of people to make a decision, you've added, you know, hours and days to a yes or no question. <laughs> absolutely, and and I, I mean, the reality is, could you do this type of autonomous driving in very 
small areas of the globe, sure. I just don't know how, I just don't know if that qualifies for the technology being rolled out, you know? Sure. Um, I think on, on a larger scale, it's going to take a very long time. We're talking five to ten years. I'll just say, keep in mind, they've been saying five to ten years for five to ten years. So uh, <laughs> That sounds about right. So let me ask you this, because there are a couple of companies. Uh, one is a delivery, I think it's a grocery delivery service, right? Um, and it's basically a tall skateboard that looks kind of like a station wagon where you can just pack crap into it. And I think they have a speed limit of 25 miles an hour. Is that right? Uh, they're the only ones that have been Sounds cleared like. in California. I think it was California. Um, I think that's a neuro. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, but there's also another company uh, that's associated with Google, right? Out in Arizona that they finally got some kind of clearances. Yeah, Waymo, Waymo. Um, which is... I don't know if they've completely spun out of Google now or if it's still a subsidiary, but um, yeah, basically, and they have had for a while uh, clearances to uh, basically give public rides in the Phoenix area. And that same thing is true in Las Vegas for other companies. Um, I think Motional is one. I think Waymo is also another one. Um, yeah, I don't know what... Giving uh, rides to the public is, <laughs> is there. I don't know what company it is, but um, that, well, at least the company that makes the autonomous drones for grocery <laughs> delivery, but they've been using them here in Modesto. Uh, one of the grocery stores that we have has them, and they're little short, like, robots. They stick the the groceries in, and then they send them off on their way, and their delivery range is, like, I think, like, a mile or two, something like that, and it basically just drives along the sidewalk and eventually gets to the person's home, and the person comes out, opens it up, takes their groceries, and sends the robot back to the store. I had no idea that was, like, in actual practice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, although it's it does still seem to be pretty buggy, and, you know, we'll see some going along just fine and then but we also see dead ones they're just sitting there on the side of the on the side of the road not doing anything You're <laughs> I, I, medic <laughs> I, I saw that in berkeley, in berkeley too they had like these little robots like just on the sidewalk delivering stuff at the at the east there so yeah it was pretty interesting i hadn't seen that before what do you think about the uh i mean they were mentioning possible drone delivery for um amazon like last year and like the the meme that immediately came up for it was like, Amazon drone delivery. It's like skeet shooting with prizes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I can good totally meme. see that. I mean, I hate drones to begin with. I, that is the most annoying sound I think that has been invented so far. Um, yeah. So I can't imagine that's going to get wide adoption, but we'll see. I mean, and like, I mean, especially if like for for a company like Amazon to do it, because they're going to have. I mean, it would it would end up being a lot of drone deliveries, and you know that people are going to be doing exactly what they said in the meme. Like, no joke. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, oh, you, absolutely. And there's big <laughs> so, drones too. I mean, you're so talking about. Could get really on them. I, I would definitely not suggest it. I, I'm assuming that they'll they'll kill it, but um, yeah, that would be a huge money dump for them. They would they would lose their asses on it. So, yeah, I mean it's sort of like flying cars, right? We've been hearing about flying cars for what 
20, 30 years. I mean, that is the true quote-unquote Jensen future. Yeah, and that shit is never happening. Longer than that, yeah. Alex, I have a question for you. Like, I want to, what's your, I guess, uh, perspective and opinion on, like, the future of autonomous vehicles? Because one of the things, like, we've been at least seeing in the news is that, like, uh, millennials and definitely the, the elder Gen Zers now aren't, like, buying cars and stuff like that. Because in actuality, you don't really need a car, right? Because you can just, like, call Lyft, you call Uber, you call whatever, just zip cars there, things like that. You just go out and you just get a car or you get a ride. Um, what do you think the future of autonomous vehicles will be like, say, 25 years? Yeah, I, I definitely think there is a future for a pure rental model, right? Like, no ownership. Uh, you either subscribe to, let's say, Lyft for X amount of rides or X dollar amount. I mean, that, that already exists today. Um, but let's say in the more rural communities, um, one of the beautiful things about autonomous and rental is that you could just hail an autonomous vehicle to you. Um, that would be a great use. Let's say you want a vehicle to just go do your own thing, not in autonomous driving. Uh, you want it to go to the woods, national park, whatever, um, you know, uh, you could hail a car, it could drive itself to you. And then once it got to you, you can pilot it yourself. Uh, I think that's a real, real, very real scenario. But I think in 25 years, many metro areas will have some level of autonomous vehicles operating in it. Are you guys going to take over the cab, cab industry? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, especially as someone that doesn't want to give up driving in all scenarios. Um, just to set the record straight, I drive a Tesla Model 3 now. Um, driving to my house tonight, I let it drive on the freeway for me. Um, but outside of that, I appreciate driving. Uh, it's a fun thing for me to do, and I want to be able to drive, let's say, in the mountains. Um, so I think there will always be a level of human driving. I, I don't think we'll ever get rid of that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, there will be a level of autonomy and a level of rental. How those two things overlap, I think we've yet to really spell out because neither of them are fleshed out. Um, but I think they'll both be in play. Yeah, yeah I, that's interesting because I, I totally agree with you on that. That like that it'll be a it'll come to a point where you probably won't really need to own a car unless you actually just wanted to. Right. So. Like parking in the city sucks. So why would you want to own a car in the city? <laughs> so <laughs> exactly, I think that that model has played out quite well. I just think we, as Americans, are very capitalistic, of course. Very, uh, you know, we like owning stuff. <laughs> we just image, love shit. Image conscious. Image conscious. <laughs> yeah. So so it's gonna be hard for us to to schlep that off, but I think that'll eventually happen. Even myself, I, I think about the depreciation cost of the cars that I've owned, and I thought, man, I probably never need half of those. Yeah, I always tell people never buy a brand new car. <laughs> I mean, having worked one in rule. The, the, the kind of the kind of auto that I worked at Hertz for five years, and I'm like, I have, I have a friend who called me up. He's like, should I check out a car at Enterprise or Hertz? I'm like, you totally should. I was like, it's worth the money. It's I, so I can't speak for Enterprise, but Hertz turns their cars over every two years. All the cars are two years old. So, you know, are they just uh, destroyed too after two years? No, you know, interesting enough, not because there's a lot of things like because the Hertz, like we would 
rent those cars from say Chrysler and Ford and stuff like that. So, and then after two years, we'd give them back, right? So a lot of the cars you see on car lots as, um, what do they call they, they call them certified used cars. Those are rentals. So the rental company, say Hertz, it has to keep up with all the maintenance on the car and stuff like that. So like uh, if a car needed, like the oil light came on and the car needed an oil change, and it was in the system too. It's in the computer system when it needs oil change. It wouldn't let us rent that car out. So um, we would have to get, get that car to the to the mechanics, get the oil change before we can rent that car out. So um, things like that. So if Hertz didn't keep up with the maintenance of those vehicles, then Hertz would have to buy that car, right? So Hertz doesn't necessarily <laughs> want to be spending money at buying cars. It just wants to get what we can out of the car to give them back. So so yeah. So I always tell people a lot of those cars that uh, uh, you could buy in a rental, a, a formerly used rental is a great idea. And a lot of the cars that are questionable, like say a car was in an accident or something like that, we would auction those cars off. So then other car dealers or mechanics, stuff like that, would buy those cars, fix them, and then sell them themselves. But any car that was kind of questionable, we wouldn't um, sell ourselves or anything like that. We'd, we'd auction those off. Every car I had ever returned to Hertz has probably been questionable. <laughs> Well, I worked at the private airport, so I worked for like a lot of the, the, uh, oh. the, the, the I worked for a lot of the, like, the corporate VIPs and stuff like that, and people flying in our own airplanes. I got to meet John Elway a few times, Barry Bonds, <laughs> so I got to, <laughs> John Tesh, <laughs> so I got to, people like that. But uh, yeah, so the cars I dealt with were never necessarily like that, but uh, they, those are definitely out there for sure. There's people who rent cars and have no respect for the vehicle whatsoever. Um, and then people, there's people who do. Hey, I like John gonna, Tesh. You're always going to have that. John Tesh, John Tesh was one of the greatest guys I ever met. Uh, I, I probably talked to him for like 15 minutes. He was so awesome. He's the uh, nicest guy and good looking. I couldn't believe it. So <laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> he's, like, I don't know, he's older than us, but he's still that good looking guy. I was like, whoa, he's, but super nice guy. <laughs> All right, so um, I think let's move forward back, a little get bit. Get back on track. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, I did want to ask you, Alex, if if you think computer computer hardware is going to come down to a size that's going to be beneficial to a vehicle, say, like a Hyundai Accent, which is a little tiny thing, as opposed to you know the the size of vehicle that you have now, which you, I think you said everybody's using the Ford Fusion because it was one of the first ones to be used. And then we, everybody's using Pacificas. I see a lot of Pacificas around as well. Um, and I recognize that the Pacifica has that big trunk area and the, and the Ford Focus has a pretty good sized trunk as well. And I know there's a lot of wires and, and stuff all over the car. So obviously you're not at that point to do that yet. But how much, or how much smaller do you think computer uh, hardware has to get before we get there? It depends on who you ask. So if you were That's to ask you. Elon, <laughs> if you were to ask Elon, that car's you know, oh, you've yeah. got a little computer that's underneath the, the footwell basically, and you've got eight, however many cameras. Uh, Tesla people are going to roast me on the internet after this. Uh, <laughs> some number of cameras, and, and the car is good to go. You you can be autonomous ready. Um, I think a lot of the sensors that are on the research and development vehicles that you see out there are slightly redundant, right? They're in a data gathering mode, not necessarily a 
production level vehicle, if that makes sense. So they have a lot more than is needed. So don't think about trying to fit that big computer in the back of a Pacifica into your personal car. It just won't need to be that big. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I think we're probably already there to answer your question. Okay, so we don't need to miniaturize more to be able to pack more no. computing power into that area. Right, it's not necessarily about computing power, it kind of is, but it's, it's about them now taking that data, the learnings that they have from all their uh, uh, road miles, and pairing that and porting that to a, a, a productionized version of what they did on the road. Right, so it has to be like smaller sensors, less sensors, and less compute power needed. But they just haven't, they're not there yet to, to make that happen, but I think all the core hardware technology is there to allow it to happen. Okay, that's good, that's good news, I think. Um, if we're- That's my perspective. Some, someone, some, you know, electrical and software guys would probably destroy me over that, but I just think that there isn't that much we have to change. So let me ask you this, because if I look at a current test autonomous fusion, there's a lot of, like you were talking about, there's a lot of outside stuff. The cameras, the LiDAR pieces, they're all outside the body. Obviously you couldn't French them in like, like Tesla did, but how much further is Tesla along because they built the car with that in mind in the beginning. Yeah, uh, I mean, exactly. I Again, if you asked Elon, he'd argue they're well, yeah, but good to go. Um, you know, if you were to take that same design and add what the other parts of the industry think is necessary, which is LiDAR, uh, and there are some uh, stationary storage LiDARs coming, which don't have any uh, moving parts, I guess, um, smaller form factor, cheaper, if integrating something like that wouldn't be a huge task. So, yeah, I think it's, it's really tough to say because no one's really <laughs> there yet, but um, I, I think Tesla's pretty far along and they're also willing to um, try things out a bit sooner than others, right? It certainly seems that, that way. That goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when I think about trucks, just to kind of stay with Tesla, when you think about trucks and you think about the, the F-150 Raptor or uh, the Dodge 1500 or 2500 with that big Cummins diesel in it, and then I look at the Cybertruck, and I'm like, that was Elon Musk having a good time with a drawing board, I think. And he, and he really Bronze, yeah. took a ton of time and threw everything that he knew out the window and started basically from scratch. I think that's what he did with the Tesla vehicle because the only vehicle that wasn't that way from the get-go was the, the original Roadster. He, that was his proof right. of concept, was that Roadster. Um, and I think the S is his proof of concept of sales and manufacturing. Because that's the car that was built literally from the ground up to do something it's not really ready to do. But it has all the cameras, it has all the intake, and all the, all the number crunching ability to do on the freeway for the most part. I mean, there's obviously times when it has failed, but uh, I think they're, uh, what is it, like a three or 4% failure rate, known failure rate? It's really very low. They are catastrophic failures, 
but they're still extremely low. The, I think the, the question for me now is, is Tesla going to be the first one to hit it all up and, and just drive away with it? Or is Waymo and um, Lyft right behind them? Yeah, it's, it's a question of how, uh, who's the first to the largest commercialization of it, I think, because Tesla's technically the first, right? I mean, we've been driving around with that somewhat light uh, the SAE has different levels for autonomous driving. It's called a level two system. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that was commercialized in 2014. You said um, SAE, Standard American Engineering. SAE. Yeah. Okay. So are they a, are they a? I'm sorry. I to kind of follow down the rabbit hole a little bit. Is SAE a kind of a governing body or are they just kind of laying out what they think is going to happen and what rules they might need to incorporate as they go along no sae i think society of automotive engineers oh okay um they are uh just a body that puts out best practices and um guidelines basically that some people can follow like if you uh, go to federal motor vehicle safety standards fmbss mm-hmm. uh, which is what how the dot decides what's legal or not legal for automotive manufacturers um, they will reference an sae document right so um, they generally end up proposing a lot of uh, really useful information for the industry to use whether that's in a like i said as in a guideline piece or as regulatory piece but it's not them actually doing the regulation um but it sounds like a group has been agreed upon that is following the the tech and the progress and making notes on how we should continue yeah i don't know where they're at with that part specifically but they've just uh, definitively said these are the different levels of autonomous driving so um level five is you don't need a steering wheel in the vehicle Uh, level four is i think you do need one uh but a human wouldn't have to take over necessarily and level three is a human is expected to take over at some point level two is like a human has to be in control most of the time something like that i'm completely butchering it but uh i should look it up (laughs) all right well i don't I'll be perfectly honest with you, man. I, I think you touched everything that, that I asked, and, and I really don't have anything else. How about you, Dave or, or Donovan? I was curious. You said uh, <clears throat> you used to work for Tesla back in the day, right? A few yep. years ago? Um, so uh, did you get any stock? I did, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have it? Have you, are you a holder or a seller? <laughs> I, am, I am a long holder. I held it this entire time since 2014-ish. Uh, nice. I'll be by my house, I'll say that. What do you think about um, Luminar? Because I know Luminar like just recently released that they're going to do something with LiDAR, and they're supposed to be like one of the top companies for LiDAR, and we were talking about that. Luminar, yes, it is a, a LiDAR company, right? Yeah. I believe in, so. Yeah, in Palo I don't so, know, like, actually know what they're working on. Because there was a there was like a um, a press release I think just like a couple of days ago where they they had announced that they were uh, dropping the cost, um, like the end cost of their lidar system, um, to 
going well hopefully to do you guys use does lift use luminar technology or no we use uh different uh lidars and used a couple uh over the course of time um but i don't i wonder if luminar is the um solid state lidar company because they're really trying to bring the cost down yeah that's that seems to be their main focus there was something about uh i guess they were trying to bring it down to like 23 dollars like which would be way way cheap i would think of course i have no idea what the what the costs are yeah interesting i i'm not sure i'm gonna have to look that up myself let's wrap it up with alex and tell him goodbye and thanks for coming dude it was great to great to meet you and we'll talk more i'm sure yeah it was awesome this this topic is uh near and dear to my heart so yeah i'd I'd spend a whole whole way too much time on this one for sure (laughs) (laughs) well well, i gotta say you are a great guest we really appreciate your patience over the last several weeks uh, in getting you here um and honestly you are welcome here anytime Oh, it's plenty. Yeah, of time. I mean, yeah. I mean, if if uh, you guys do some some techie talk topics, I'm I'm in. Well, even yeah, I mean, anything <laughs> really. But <laughs> <laughs> it was good talking with you, man. It's well, it was great. We are definitely, Alex. Like anytime you want to come, it's awesome. Yeah, no, this is this is great. Thank you, thank you, gents. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. That was great. All right, all right. We'll talk. Yeah, to you y'all soon. have a good Be night. Safe. Be safe, right. brother. See ya. You too.